All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited for today because I have some guests on that um, I listen to their podcast. And actually, I've been listening to podcasts for years. But after I met them and heard about their podcast, I don't think you guys know this, but the day after I started my podcast and published it. So you guys were kind of a big inspiration for this. Um, So yeah, right. (laughs) Kind of a big deal. Um, So thank you guys for that. But hearing you guys talk about your podcast and how it was kind of just like an outlet for you. And um, I was like, why can't I do this? Right? (laughs) Yeah, of course. So all right. So Catherine and Donald Weigel are the co hosts of the We Only Look Thin podcast, um, having spent the first 18 years of their marriage on a never ending roller coaster of codependent, disordered eating, fad diets, secret eating, weight loss gimmicks, and unsustainable restrictive diets. The couple finally got their health goals synced and sustainable. I love that synced in 2016. And they've lost a combined ready for this. They've lost a combined 255 pounds. Um, So they started the podcast. We only look thin earlier this year in 2018 as a way to share their experiences in overcoming these codependent disordered eating. Um, And they also have an awesome lighthearted message of incorporating sustainable changes and taking accountability for one's choices instead of being victims of circumstance. And we got to talk about that. Um, So the pair make it clear that there's no finish line to weight loss. Um, Their weekly podcast tackles sensitive topics such as secret eating, bulimia, and weight regain, while also injecting a bit of comedy, um, which is definitely missing from the weight loss world. So welcome, Catherine and Donald. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You Boy, we us. sound pretty impressive you when do. you read the bio that <laughs> Catherine wrote. <laughs> we do. When you read the bio that we wrote, we sound really good. Yeah. Catherine, are you a writer? No, I just play one on television. No, I um, <laughs> I started uh, doing a little bit of creative writing in uh, high school, I think, and um I find that when I'm when I'm struck with the the vision, uh, I, I can write pretty well. Uh, I think I'm pretty goofy, but then suddenly I I sound pretty inspirational when I write things down. <laughs> yeah, so. no, it was really good. I was writing down all the little things that I found in that bio to talk about. <laughs> um, so okay, so you you both have lost a combined 255 pounds. And and just to give the listeners a backstory of how we met, I was at a nutrition and behavior change conference. And Catherine and Donald were on a panel there um, with others who had lost a, you know, a tremendous amount of weight. And they were talking about how they did it and how they planning planned on keeping it off and how they are keeping it off. Um, And the interesting thing was that everyone kind of, everyone had a completely different story in kind of how they lost the weight, which was interesting, um, and which kind of um, techniques and strategies they like to use. But there was like one underlying piece that everyone had in common, um, which was definitely the mindset piece and the self-awareness and all that stuff. So that's why I... um, I just loved your story and I was just thinking I want, you know, uh, my clients that listen to the podcast and just the audience to just hear your story because I think it's so inspiring. So 
again, that's a lot of weight that you guys have lost. And some people look at that and are like, okay, you know, a before and after, like they did it. I can't do that. So can you guys just bring us back to like way before and talk about, you know, what it was like, what you were struggling with, what you were trying and and everything that was kind of going wrong at, at that time before you kind of figured it out, like you feel like you have now. <laughs> I, I was struggling with everything, <laughs> first well, of all. Well, I think, you know, my my story is, you know, I had my first binge, I think, when I was four or five years old. So this isn't something that I, I've dabbled in as an adult. I am a lifelong lover of food. And also that comes along with a lot of excuses. And uh, Donald and I have been married for over 20 years. And uh, we have... A loving and wonderful relationship, but also had 18 happy years over 22. Yeah. But we, you know, we have a great marriage and that comes along with a lot of celebratory eating and a lot of codependent behavior. And I always, you know, from, you know, the first time I started dieting, probably at age 12 or 13, up until my 40s, like my actual 40s, I saw, <laughs> I saw weight loss or a weight loss goal as a finish line. And as a, we'll get there and then we'll celebrate by having pizza afterward. And um, I think yeah. we both, you know, we did that to each other for decades, like actual decades of disordered codependent eating. Yeah. I mean, like having a mindset of, you know, well, I've I've gotten to my goal weight. I must be fixed. Now I can eat whatever I mm-hmm. want again. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was this vicious cycle of of, uh, you know, losing weight and being on a plan, whatever that plan was. And, um, you know, I tried you know, lots and lots of them. I did Atkins back in the day, which is now rebranded as keto. And, uh, I did, uh, Weight Watchers. Um, I did, uh, you know, just starvation. I did, you know, eating, take, you know, shakes for meals kind of things. And all of those things would work to one degree or another for a while. But, what I wasn't changing was the way I was looking at it as a lifelong, you know, habit change. And it never occurred to me in 20 years that my mindset had anything to do with my weight, which is really weird. I thought I was a victim of circumstance. I, we worked too much. We were, you know, we didn't have enough money to join a gym. We didn't have, you know, yeah. 20 different reasons. Oh, we were just too busy at work. So we were, busy. oh, I'm just too stressed out right now to do anything about it. And um, it it took up until I was 41, uh, sort of broken and sad and overwhelmed and underappreciated and, um, you know, to finally go, gosh, I can't live like this anymore. I, you know, it's not an end goal. I've got to change fundamentally the way I'm living because I'm killing myself. um, Just repeating these one weird tricks over and over again. Yeah. And I'm almost five years older than Catherine. So I have even less of an excuse. So I'm older (laughs) and I should be wiser. I should have, I should have, 
I should have come to this place sooner than her. But but I think that we, you know, it's almost like a wind up car. You know, you pull back and you get some good momentum and then you lose steam and you wonder what happened. And I think we, I mean, I've lost a hundred pounds before. Um, I've lost 50 pounds before. And then yeah, I, I, I lost it. over 50 pounds three times before I lost the hundred okay. pounds. Um and uh, gained it back every time because I just constantly had this idea. I I did it once in my 20s uh, and twice in my 30s um, before I got to uh, my 40s and, you know, did it for what I hope, fingers crossed, is the final time. Well, and this time I think what's different is that I don't see myself as fixed. Like yeah. I lost, um, gosh, when I was 28, I lost, I was 300 pounds and I got down to like 190 or so. And I remember before Facebook writing sort of a manifesto to my family in an email, back to old habits. And um, that created uh, weight gain again. And I got back up to 250 pounds uh, in my in my 40s. And um, it just that mindset thing that it's never going to be over for us. This is a chronic condition. I think staying on top of that and having the podcast and really holding each other accountable instead of being like, yeah, sure. We deserve a pizza as a celebration. Like it, it, it's been a big mind shift for us. And we're, we're so grateful to have been able to speak at that conference because I couldn't have said those things five years ago. I couldn't have said those things 10 years ago when I had lost weight because it didn't occur to me that my my mindset and and that that there is no finish line, you know, that that wasn't even on my mind before. Right. Well, yeah, you have to change your entire like you're, you're like you're saying you have to change your entire perspective on weight loss when you turn it on yourself. And you are saying, okay, I can I can think differently and I can make changes. And that's the only way that I'm going to lose this weight instead of, because the thing that I see with clients is that the more, the more somebody um, loses weight, gains it back, loses weight and gains it back. It's just, it's like a hit on your confidence and your ability and what you think you're able to do. And you start thinking that you're you, it, it's something's wrong with you. These diets just aren't working for you. Is that kind of, did you guys feel that way? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I've spent most of my life thinking that I was that one special snowflake who, uh, you know, just had that metabolism that was impossible it for me to lose weight. Thyroid. It's got to be something mm. genetic that just makes it so that it's impossible for me to lose weight. And I think, you know, that's largely an excuse. Um, it was an excuse for me not doing, uh, the work. And, um, I think another, another large component of it is that, um, I would really, you know, dive deep into these diet plans and these exercise plans and they weren't sustainable over the long term. You know, I, I might've been able to, you know, I did Atkins for a couple of years and, you know, had quote unquote success, but, I wasn't ever going to, I, I wasn't going to stop eating carbohydrates for the rest of my life. Like that just wasn't a realistic goal, uh, for me anyway. Right. And, 
And that's a red flag when you jump into something and you know, I cannot do this for the rest yeah, and of my life. That's, that's what we tell flag. people all the time. Um, and we say a lot on our podcast is like, if, if you can't do this for the rest of your life, then it's probably not the right diet plan. And, you know, the, the key for me, and I'm not sure if I'm drifting off of what your question was, but the, the real, the key, and I, I think of it in my mind as a literal key, it unlocked my, my brain was that I didn't have to go from nothing to full bore overnight. And in fact, that was counterproductive, you know, going from sitting on the couch, eating 4,000 calories a day to a 1,200 calorie a day starvation diet and working out at a gym six days a week was just so overwhelming and not actually what I should have been doing. It was just what I thought I had to do to lose the weight. And Right. And that's and then you hate it. And then that builds. Yeah. And then you do it. And then you go, that lifestyle is not for me. I'm not one of those people. I can't do that. Right. Exactly. And, and so, you know, Catherine said to me, you know, Hey, slow down this, this most recent time, you know, Hey, slow down. Why don't you just start by taking a five minute walk? And what did I say? Do it in the voice. I'm never going to lose weight doing that. That's not going to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I sounded well, like. But I think, you know, and, and there's a bigger story behind Donald's five minute walk. Um, but I think I thought I had to suffer, you know, no pain, no gain. I felt like I had to have a membership to a gym. I had to have a meal plan. I had to have somebody else tell me what to do. Yeah, in a personal trainer or a guru right, of some kind. Instead of, and not that support hasn't changed my life because it has, but I was looking to the outside to change my actions. I, I didn't focus on the responsibility that I had to take for what I was putting in my mouth. Like mm. I had to want better for myself and to fundamentally change my outlook because I was a victim. Donald was a victim. Weren't you, Donald? I was a victim. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I was a victim of my job. I was a victim of my family. I was a victim of the amount of, you know, hours I worked, I put so many reasons in my way why I was the one who couldn't achieve weight loss. Like, well, you know, my cousin's thin because she's lucky. She's this, she's got a better metabolism. I didn't look at the actual lifestyle that she was living. I didn't look at her activity. I, I joked, you know, Donald, um, had a sister come to visit and, and my cousin came to visit and they're both kind of naturally slim. And when they came to visit in, in turn, each of them would like, my cousin went downstairs and jumped rope outside um, to get in 10 minutes of cardio. And Don's sister did push-ups in the living room. And I was like, you can't lose weight and be physically fit like that. Like, you've got to go to a gym to do that. And I actually was like, I'm not going to do that. And then yeah. I go, and now what do we do, Donald? We push-ups <laughs> in the living room. And yeah, we, 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 we don't have gym memberships. We we didn't hire a personal trainer. You know, we, we looked to sources outside ourselves for sure to readjust the way we were thinking about things. But, you know, we go on long walks and we, you know, I do push-ups and arm workouts that I found on the internet, you know, in our living room. And I didn't even do that for the first, you know, two years, basically. Well, and that's based to... I, I just walked and I counted calories. It's and not at all sexy. Yeah, it's, it's not, <laughs> right, right. not one weird trick. It's, it's not, not a montage like, from a movie like... yeah. 
training for the big fight. But I think that that is where in our lives, that's where we are right now. Donald works full time in the film industry working, you know, 15 hour days. I work, we have a daughter, we're very busy. And so based based on our current circumstance, what can we do? We can get up early and we can go for a walk. We can do push-ups in the living room while our daughter's getting ready for school. Like it's not Mm -hmm. dynamic and exciting, but it works for us. And finding what you actually enjoy doing or what you learn to enjoy, it doesn't have to be, you know, um, working out with a, with a personal trainer at eight o'clock at night in the rain doing jumping jacks, on the street, which I actually did right. six years ago. And you had experience with that, right? Oh, I hated it. And yeah, I, I we like, both did. I hate it. So why isn't it working? You know, it's like, it's not a punishment. Like it is such a gift to be able to move and to walk and to, you know, be in control of our bodies. Yeah, for sure. And, and I just feel so much better now. Yeah. So, and Donald, give us an update with your walking because I, I heard the story a little bit at the conference, but you start with this five minute walk and then what are, where's it gone from there? Well, um, I, uh, I started with that and then I just, I I am competitive and, uh, I got a Fitbit and you can make Fitbit friends on there. And then there are these challenges that people do. And I, I got invited to a couple and, um, you know, found a couple of friends who were getting over 20,000 steps a day. And I, you know, just thought that's impossible. Nobody I, could do that. I remember <laughs> our, our friend, Nicole, actually, um, who, who's also lost about 80 pounds. Um, she went from being sedentary to walking and she was getting 20,000 steps a day. I was like, wow, must be nice to do that. Boy, to have that kind of lifestyle. Like yeah. you could never do that. Yeah. And, right. and and now my daily goal is 20,000. Like that's what I set it at. And, you know, two days ago I, I hit 30,000. Um, and oh, with uh, your, with your lifestyle, with your schedule. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's, look, it doesn't happen every day. I don't hit it every day. There are, you know, right now I'm in a, in a nice lull period at work. So I have a little more luxury, um, to get steps. But when I, even when I'm working, I, I try and work it in. I get up extra early. Catherine and I do about four miles in the morning, which I know sounds extreme, but we didn't start that way. And I don't think you have to do four miles in order to lose weight. I just want to make that clear. And when, when we started and I, Donald and I on this sort of last time journey started at different times in January of 2016, I, could not button my pants to go to work. I had to wear a long sweater over my pants because I was literally afraid my jeans were going to rip going into the office. And I was like, I have to do something differently. Like, and I can't get on this one weird trick scam. I can't, you know, I didn't have the emotional bandwidth to manage an entire lifestyle change, but I decided, you know what? We drive our daughter to school a quarter of a mile every day. It takes us five minutes to pull into traffic, five minutes to find a parking spot and, you know, getting in and out of the car. Why don't I just start walking her to school a quarter of a mile? It, it literally took 10 okay. minutes to walk her to school, less time than it would to drive and then walk back. And that started it. It wasn't, 
you know, a huge montage of getting new workout equipment yeah. or joining a gym or, you know, taking all these classes. It was just changing a lifestyle. And Donald didn't want to do it. He, you know, no. Oh, what should I do that? It's like, let's just walk her to school and see what happens. <laughs> and I can just imagine people listening to this going like, what difference does that make? And, you know, I, I just... I don't know what I have to do or say to get people to understand that it does make a difference. But, you know, I, I try and liken it to, you know, put put one penny in a jar and, you know, you do that and you do it every day. And eventually you've got a dollar and eventually you've got ten dollars and it just the momentum keeps building and building. And that's what we did. And, you know. Right lost an eighth of a pound here and an eighth of a pound there. And before I knew it, and it wasn't before I knew it, it wasn't like I woke up one day, but I'm, I'm down over a hundred pounds. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it, it, you know, I think people want these, this miraculous, you know, they want to lose 10 pounds a week, um, you know, or even, I think even like, you know, three or four pounds a week is, is really unrealistic. And, you know, I I maintained a pace of of under a pound a week. And, you know, over the course of two years, that's uh, 104 weeks, it added up to over 100 pounds. Yeah, I think that's so important. I'm really glad you mentioned that, that you had success losing a half a pound a week, or, you know, maybe it was one pound a week once in a while. But that is one of the biggest things that comes up with people I talk to is it's not, it's not coming off fast enough. Um, And it's really hard to change your mindset around that because everyone else like you had, you had lost three pounds a week before on other diets, on restrictive diets. So when it's not happening like that, I mean, it does feel wrong. It does feel like you're missing something, but it's but it's not. It's that's how it should happen. And that's the only way that it is going to be sustainable. Because now that you are over 100 pounds down, you don't have to um, change anything major. You just keep doing the you're, you're continuing those small changes that have not like, totally taken your life over and, you know, made your life difficult. So for sure. And I think the the big thing and the perspective of age too, is that I spent 20 years trying to lose weight in six months, like 20 oh, years yes. of mm-hmm. trying the quick fix. And if I had, you know, it's like investing money, like Donald said, if I had just started losing slowly at age 20 instead of age 40. Like I spent 20 years negotiating and bargaining and trying to find that one quick thigh master slash shake meal shake thing. And if I had just been consistent the entire time, it's like the, you know, the, the, the tortoise and the hare, I could have gotten there. Yeah. You start at age 25 and you, you lose, you know, you lose half a pound a month even, you know, by the time you're 30, that's a lot of weight, you know, and, and I, you know, I don't know what to say to people. There's nothing you could have said to me at age 25 to get me to realize that. But this idea of losing, you know, three, four, five uh, plus pounds a week um, is, is really harmful, I think. And, and I think that when you mentioned, you know, the results you're having, like, how do you convince people to show, 
you know, you will get results just walking five, 10 minutes a day over and over. And I think it's also important to realize you're going to get direct results, right? You're, you are burning energy, you're burning calories, but you're also going to have those indirect results that are going to be in the form of inspiring you to make other changes, right? So it's yeah, not, sure. it's a bigger picture thing. Well, for sure. I mean, we started with walking our daughter to school. We also, uh, halfway to our daughter's school is, uh, you know, a, uh, a Rite Aid market, you know, a Rite Aid uh, uh, pharmacy. We used to drive there. Yeah. I mean, and it would take us 10 minutes to circle the parking lot to find a spot where we could have just walked. So we, we have started a lifestyle of, you know, the joke is nobody walks in in Los Angeles. Nobody walks in LA. Like mm. we're like, Hey, let's walk to Rite Aid. Let's walk to Starbucks. Let's walk to uh, the library. Let's walk to Seven Eleven. Let's walk to breakfast. Like instead of driving everywhere, you know, within reason, we still drive to the grocery store, but right, we, right. we try to sneak in steps wherever we can. We sort of have gamified it. You know, like Donald said, it's like, hey, if I leave my grocery cart in the same place uh, and, zig- you know, I zigzag up and down every aisle, oh, wow, I just got an extra 500 steps. Oh, if we, you know, if we walk our daughter to school, that's another 1200 steps. Like, yeah, and I, I take pride in things like finding the farthest away parking spot that I can, you know, when I park somewhere, right. you know, the farthest from the door uh, and things like that. Oh, and I just wanted to say, too, like, by the way, I... I'm in a challenge right now where I have uh, 96,000 steps for this current week um, of five days, and I'm in fourth place, by the way. Yeah, there. Wow. So there are people out there that are <laughs> like getting mega steps. Well, and and yeah. and walking might not be for everyone. You know, I mean, we're we ha- host some accountability groups, and there are people who might have bad knees or bad feet who maybe do, um, you know water aerobics classes or people who really enjoy yoga. The, the trick is doing something that you actually enjoy doing and doing it sustainably. It doesn't mean you have to go to high uh, intensity interval training. You don't have to do kickboxing. Um, you don't have to, you know, m- move in ways, not that you shouldn't push yourself, but you don't have to do things that make you miserable. I, I, you know, I joke about looking back at my Facebook feed from five years ago, 10 years ago. And I'm like, I hate my trainer, you know, oh gosh, I've got to go to the gym, like wish, you know, I hope I don't die. And now I'm like, I get to go on a walk. <laughs> I get to go get to yeah. my hair. I get to see the changing subtle seasons of California. Like, it is a joy right. to me. It is not a punishment. Yeah, and, that's and been like such a big shift. We get up super early in the morning to go for our walks together, and I know that sounds painful to a lot of people, but it has really become the highlight of my day. And as a couple, I I feel like we've got this benefit of having this alone time together. You know, where we're we're walking and we can we really have all this time to talk to each other. And maybe some couples out there don't want to talk to each other, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, but also going for a five minute walk, you know, I started kind of gamifying it too, where, you know, when I worked in an office, our secretary would go on a smoking break. And I was like, if she can go on a smoking break every day, I can walk away from my desk for five minutes. So I would actually, when she would go for a smoking break, I would go down the stairs at work, walk around the building and go back up in the elevator before she would get back from a cigarette break. And, you know, I always would tell myself, like, I would wear my busyness as a badge. You know, I'm too busy. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, it must be nice that other people can do it. And just taking a five minute break is such 
a great way to just reinvigorate yourself. Um, you know, I started listening to podcasts pod, like like this very one. They changed yeah. my life. Podcasts are the best, aren't they? They are. Yeah. They are. Wait, they love, changed my life. Podcasts, they're really the best. But, you know, mm-hmm. being able to take that time to learn, to, um, you know, put, and I've said this before, but my the voices in my head before I started this last time journey were so dark and so negative and so hopeless. And listening to other people's stories, other people's struggles, things that people overcame, really helped me own my own life and make me realize that it is my choice whether or not I'm the victim of my circumstance or the hero. And our lives are still what they were three years ago. You know, we're still really busy. We still have stresses in family and work and that hasn't changed, but our perspective has changed. Yeah. Life doesn't change. All of those things are still going to be there, but you know, what, what was I going to do? You know, and I, you know, ask me five years ago, I would have just done the same things over and over again. But, you know, what's the alternative, you know, to losing a quarter pound a week, you know, is gaining a gaining a quarter pound a week for the rest of my life, like which would have led to a very short life, I think. Yeah, yeah, this Yeah, this is a topic, you know, everything that we're talking about, it's all about your decision um, and perspective. And and what you were talking about, Catherine, about how your thoughts were so dark. I think I was just actually doing this the other day with someone on the phone. Um, and I don't know, has journal, have you ever journaled? Has that been helpful on your journey? Um, I am not a journaler. I am, uh, it's funny, I'm a very good writer, but I don't like doing it. <laughs> yeah, Such right. a good writer. So, so good. inspiring. But it, like for me, I. I think I've done, I've listened to so many podcasts, whether it be weight loss podcasts or mindset podcasts, where I kind of think through my mindset so much that I don't, I don't write things down very often. Um, I know journaling works for many people. I think I spend a lot of time doing introspective thinking and questioning what I'm thinking. So if I say Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. I stop myself now and go, okay, is it that I can't do it or I'm not making that a priority right now? And I actually just yes. kind of talk myself through my language. And we do that with our daughter too, because she goes like, Oh, I'll never be able to do what I can't. It's too, you know, and I go, okay, can you not do it? Or is it not a priority? Have you not put in the time for it? So the way I talk to her about her choices, I do the same thing with myself. And I do, I do that with Donald too, which I'm sure is pretty annoying, but um, <laughs> anyway, but you were making, yeah. you were making a point about uh, journaling. So what, what was your, uh, yeah, well, I was just, you know what, it's just another tool to th- the whole point the the destination is more, it's more self-awareness. It's more just understanding the pattern of your thoughts and how those thoughts create your habits. And that creates, you know, how you're living. And that's exactly what you guys are talking about. So I was just curious. I use it a lot um, for myself and with with some clients of mine. But I find it helpful when there when there's an exercise, when there's prompts um, rather than like free journaling. So with with the dark thoughts, I always think it's it's so helpful to get those out on paper and then read them out loud, and then you can hear 
just like you're saying, how harsh they are towards yourself and, you know, how destructive that can be as we're kind of brainwashing ourselves with these thoughts all day long. Um, And then, you know, writing from a different point of view from, you know, more like your higher self and, you know, when you're feeling amazing and, you know, the best version of yourself, it's so good to write an opposite version of that. And, and just to, I'm a bit, I'm a visual person. I love to see things on paper and read things out loud. Um, and you can absolutely go through that in your head. And I think some people listening, this might sound like really weird and kind of foreign, um, just to even think about changing how you're thinking (laughs) that that's, I mean, for me, it was depression for many years. And I was kind of just like, as you guys are saying, um, it's a victim of circumstance. And it was just, you know, it was in my genetics. I just wasn't in a good position. Things just weren't going my way. Um, I'm just going to be like this forever. And it wasn't until I heard other people start talking about their journey through that and coming out of that and some of the things that they had to do, which is what we're talking about here, which is changing your mindset for sure. So, um, yeah, I just wanted, just wanted to touch on journaling and and see what you guys thought of it. But you mentioned something, something else that I hear all the time is like, you feel like there's, you're not going to get results unless it's painful, unless it totally sucks. Like unless the journey is so hard. And I hear, um, well, one of my clients actually, she, has has lost a substantial amount of weight but she's in almost in disbelief because it has it looks nothing like her journey before it's so different it's so easy for her now and she Must she's having nice. trouble <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's having trouble kind of um accepting it you know people saying things she she she's just not even very excited about it it's almost like she's uncomfortable um just knowing that so many other times she's gained it back before and this is just totally new so have you kind of felt like that as weight came off like slower and more sustainable well i think for sure i you know i still i mean our our podcast is you know is called we only look thin because to the untrained eye, we look like fit, thin people. And on the inside, I still feel like a hundred percent pizza. Yeah. And it, it is such, I, I have a lot of dysmorphia issues. Um, you know, I, I see pictures of myself and I look a certain way and I'm the, the size and weight that I am right now. I don't think I've been since I was in fourth grade, I think. And I, I get that and I see the number on the scale, but my head still, I still have, you know, feelings of being um, bigger than I am. And the, the happiness it's, it's, I mean, and we talk about this and it's kind of a bummer. The number on the scale doesn't come with a, like a ticker tape parade. Like you just won the lottery. Like nobody shows up the door with the balloons. (laughs) You're not suddenly, you know, Mm -hmm. all of your relationships aren't solved. Suddenly you're not like, you don't get the promotion. You don't get like all the accolades and the apologies from life, a lifetime of, of stress it's a process and yeah. it's, and people i don't think like hearing that because they think oh if if i'm you know this weight or if i fit into this size everything will be fixed we have the same lives that we had before and the thrill doesn't come from the number you know it might be a short lived like oh boy i did it but the thrill comes from sticking to 
your your habits, feeling good about your choices, being proud of the decisions that you're making. And that can be at 250 pounds or 150 pounds. I felt great at, you know, when I, at a, maybe a third of the way into my journey, I posted a picture of myself and a friend said, wow, you look really strong. And that I could identify with. It wasn't, oh, wow, you look like a size 10. Like it wasn't like, oh, you're looking so size 10 today. It was like, you look Mm -hmm. strong and you look self-possessed and you look like fierce. And that I loved. It wasn't the size or the, the number on the scale. It was what I was doing to my mindset, the confidence I had, the boundaries that I was setting with myself and with others. Um, how capable I felt not being winded after going up a flight of stairs. Those non-scale victories are really Mm -hmm. what makes up my whole now, much less so what the number on the scale says. Um, Because I still feel like I take up more space than I do. I still feel self-conscious around other people. Yeah, I definitely have that body dysmorphia also. I mean, I I recently had to, I was in a wedding and had to buy a new suit and, uh, you know, still thought I wasn't going to be able to find anything that would fit me and, you know, realize that I'm in a slim fit suit now, which is, you know, I'm like, there's, they, they put slim fit on here to make you feel better about yourself. Right. This isn't actually a slim fit (laughs) suit. Um, you know, but to get back to what you were asking about feeling different, um, I, I don't think I had the exact same issues as your client you were talking about, but I I think for me, it was a positive that this felt better doing it this way. And Mm -hmm. not to say that this wasn't without work, but this just sort of felt more like I'm changing my life. Um, This didn't, this didn't feel like I'm temporarily trying a plan or I'm temporarily doing this, you know, this diet to get to a goal. And then I'm going to just go back to the way it was, you know, this was like, I am, I am taking these baby steps one at a time to, you know, not become a different person, but to change the habits that I spent a lifetime building. Right. And I think that's why it takes, like you were saying 20 years, Catherine, I think that's why it takes people so long to get to that point where you're like, okay, let me change my lifestyle now. Because it's, the, I mean, it's the last thing that, that we want to do. I mean, that's the biggest <laughs> yeah. change. I don't want to change <laughs> like, my lifestyle. We're going to try everything else here. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if anything else I, works. I, and then you just run out of things to try. Well, and I think too, the, the big difference, you know, and the happiness comes from ha- the habits and the mindset and the, and the, and the f- feeling like you're doing the best thing for yourself. Um, it's not that number on the scale. And I think it's a bit of a letdown because I think I blamed so much of my life on my weight, whether it was relationships or how I felt like I was judged by others or, you know, oh gosh, if I was, you know, X, Y, Z weight, then I'd be happy. It was a uh, Happiness was a mirage in front of me. And I I even blamed it on, you know, my career maybe not being where I wanted it to be. You know, I was thinking, well, obviously, like, because I'm heavier, you know, they don't take me seriously. And, you know, I haven't magically become president of a studio, you know, after losing the weight. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I'm still the same person I was, just thinner. Well, and the, but like, and not that I know your client, but... I think I looked 
to my weight as an ex external blame for my life. You know, if, if I was thinner, then I'd be able to do, you know, be stand up better to my, my boss or have better relationships in my family. And life doesn't suddenly become this cookie cutter, perfect place when you lose weight or when you start practicing self-care self-care happens despite the chaos in life. And it's, it's not like, I mean, and, and this is what we talk about in our podcast. I'm not fixed. I'm not, you know, I'm not suddenly this new version of myself. It's something, it's a process that is just going to keep going. And I don't, you know, I, not that I, I journal, but I, I see all of this as a process of mindset and taking more and more responsibility for my actions and my choices and, you know, um, my relationships, it, it's on me. It's not like, oh, I'm down five pounds and now I know how to deal with work conflict. Like those. Right. So it's like the, you know, when you do lose the weight and you do get closer to where you want to be, it's almost like you have to do even more self, you know, like, more work on yourself because you have nothing to blame it on anymore. You can't blame the weight. It's, it's a nice problem to have, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm starting to branch out into other aspects. You know, I spent all of this time worrying about my weight and thinking that was the big problem, but it was just, it was just one thing. It's and a symptom yeah, of a bigger problem. You know, I, I'm trying to do more work on myself, you know, living in an open hearted way and, and trying not to let things get me so angry and, you know, applying sort of the weight loss mindset to the rest of my life. Yeah. And I mean, mm. we were at a, an event at our daughter's school last week and I remember, you know, four years ago being at an event at school and being self-conscious because of my weight. No, no one wants to talk to me. And, oh, I'm just going to go scurry over here and not talk to anyone. And and now I'm at my goal weight and I'm still like, ooh, nobody wants to talk to me. And I'm going, <laughs> oh, wait, no, that's right. I'm an introvert and that's what I do. So it's just, it's funny, you know, to not have that weight as a shield as to an explanation as to why I'm not in a different place. It's, you know, I don't have that as an excuse anymore. And it's actually been really great to discover myself in this process in the last three years. And journaling for me hasn't been the way to do it. But listening to other podcasts, um, there are a few that have just totally changed my perspective and challenged me each week to think about who I am and what I enjoy and what I don't and what kind of a person I am. And it's it's been great to kind of excavate my personality and what I really believe in where I am now and to help others do that too. And in, in your role, in your podcast and your, your, uh, the support that you give your clients, it's been so empowering to let go of all of the old stories that I tell, told myself and to build up the, the new version of myself and what I do believe and what is important to me and to let go of all that. It's been, um, it's been great. And it's, it, I want, you know, I mean, part of our podcast is we want to help other people figure out who they are and take responsibility for themselves because I was the biggest victim, I mean, ever, you know, everything was everybody else's fault, not mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and now it's just, I think that we're better able to recognize that. And, you know, when I, when something is stressing me out and 
my instincts are to eat something to soothe myself, I'm now able to go, you know, oh, hey, you're just trying to use this event, which has nothing to do with eating as an excuse to eat because you want to eat. And, and that's, you know, that's just a huge change and a, a huge um, way of, of not doing it, you know, being able to recognize when I'm trying to trick myself into giving myself an excuse to eat. Well, and, and going back to what you said about, um, you know, giving your clients tools, finding out what tools work for you, what you respond to as a visual learner or an auditory learner, I guess maybe I'm an auditory learner cause I love podcasts, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but Figuring out what works for you. It doesn't mean that you're broken because you don't like yoga or you don't like meditating. It's like, I have found that I Mm -hmm. love walking. I have found that I still need to have treats and indulgences in my diet or in, you know, in my daily life. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have this perfect plan where it's like, I'm fixed now. And all I want to eat are legumes and water. Like I still (laughs) like pizza and I still like, you know, uh, red velvet cake. And I have to be very honest about my consumption about them. And I still have to be very mindful where I'm not fixed. Like I still could dive face first into the red velvet, but I have a, a set of tools in my toolbox. What excuse am I making? What, um, you know, what emotion am I trying to get out of right now? You know, am I giving the excuse of being away on a holiday weekend to overindulge and pretend like it's not going to matter? Like I have all of these questions that I ask myself that prepare me like, okay, this doesn't have anything to do with, um, you know, work. This has everything to do with me wanting a treat right now. And I'm, I'm very conscious and aware of my choices instead of being victim of them. Um, and I, right. And it's so much harder to lie to yourself oh, yeah. now, oh, yeah. now that you're just so aware, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and that, you know, we, it is annoying at times, but we call one another out on our excuses and, you know, we spent so many years enabling one another's, you know, Oh, you've had a hard week. Oh, let's go out for, <laughs> let's get takeout. You know, yeah. let's get takeout tomorrow. Yeah. And now, now we're sort of, again. you know, doing it in reverse, you know? <laughs> Like, are you sure you're eating that because it's in your calories? You know, that kind of thing. And I still, I mean, I have issues with secret eating and with emotional eating. And I think, you know, we both do part of, of hosting the podcast is a way to keep ourselves accountable and open and honest, because I think I used to see a dividing line. There were thin fit people and there was me. And if I crossed some imaginary yes, yes. force field, I would suddenly be, if I was X weight, I would be a thin person. And then thin people can eat whatever they want. Thin people are magic. Thin people, you know, can create rainbows. Like, no, I still want to eat all the food. And if I eat all the food, I gain weight. Like there's no magic metabolism that is suddenly in place that makes me a different person. So I have to moderate. I have to monitor. I have to you know, for me, tracking calories works. It gives me a budget to work in. Every yeah, one that's, of us that's is what different. we both do, by the way, is track calories. And, you know, I, th- right. I think we did it in the same way that we did the walking, but in reverse, you know, I started by just figuring out how many calories I was eating a day. And, you know, it, I, I always said to myself, well, I'm not eating, you know, I'm not eating any more than the next person. And yet they're thin and I'm not. And, you know, it turned out I was eating, you know, 3,500 to 4,000, you know, a day sometimes. And um, 
I just started by trying to, let's see if I can just get that down to 3000 a day, you know, let's start there and then let's try 2,800 and, you know, slowly stepping that back. And even now where I'm basically at maintenance, I'm, I'm eating about 2000, uh, which, you know, is, is a reasonable amount of food. You know, I don't feel like I'm starving myself Mm -hmm. and I save calories every day to eat something indulgent, uh, some Doritos, a Reese's peanut butter cup. Like I constantly, you know, at the end of the day, give myself these nice treats so that I'm, I don't feel like I'm deprived. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, um, actually in my, in my group program right now, one of the things that we do, although calorie counting, it's not something I do with my clients. I always think it's a good idea to find out where somebody is like, where, where are you right now? Are you, are you eating double the amount that your body can handle or are you inconsistently eating? Are you eating you know, 2000 one day and a thousand the next day, just because you're so busy. Um, so there's, everyone's coming from a different place. And in your case, that's, yeah, that is the, you realize, okay, I'm eating too much. Simply, I need to eat less. And you did it slow and sustainable and where you didn't have to cut out all the foods that, that you do love. So yeah, that's well, yeah. Right. It turns out that like eating less and moving more actually helps one lose <laughs> weight. Yeah, it's well, really weird. But, it, but I think in the, in the past and what I used to think there had to be some single way that worked. And whether it was working with a trainer or whether it was being on Weight Watchers or the cabbage soup diet or Atkins, I had to conform to a plan. And if I didn't, I was bad. I was broken. I felt shame. I felt guilt. It didn't occur to me to build a holistic life for myself. It was like, oh, you know, I went over my Weight Watchers points. I'm bad. I'm going to give up because I've been embarrassed that I'm up on the scale. I felt like I had to fit into whatever hole of the program. And if it didn't work, it was my fault. I am working from a place now of building, you know, I think both of us, we're building a life for ourselves that is sustainable and whatever you know, I know that there are people who do intuitive eating. I know that there are people who track their macros or pre-plan all their food for each day. And I think Mm -hmm. it is such a gift to realize that you can make whatever plan you want that works for you. If, if intuitive eating works, that's amazing. If, if, you know, if, um, pre-planning your, your meals a day ahead, works, you know, w- with your clients or whatever you're doing, that's amazing. And finding the t- the right combination of tools that work, you know, if you love getting, a, you know, a basketball pickup game, or you love water aerobics, or you love stretching, if you love group activity or solo activity, finding the thing that works for your personality, your stage in life, your work schedule, it's so amazing to have like un uncovered that because I used to um, like my life before was drag myself out of bed at seven o'clock, grab fast food on the way to work, eat secretly in the car, drive to work, get the closest parking spot, eat the free bagels at work, sit all day, get takeout for lunch, drive home, you know, park as close as I could to my daughter's school to pick her up, sit on the couch from 5 p.m. until 11 p.m. eating and snacking, and then rinse and repeat and do it the next day. Like, 
it should not have been a surprise to me that I was 300 pounds. Giving into every food indulgence, every snack indulgence, every pint of ice cream. The life that we're living now is getting up early, going for a restorative walk, drinking water, limiting the amount of food that we eat each day, yeah. walking to pick up our daughter from school, you know, mindfully deciding what indulgence to have each day, planning our walks. Like and, and we didn't do that overnight. No, you know, no, no. we we added one habit at a time at a pace that was comfortable for us. Like we didn't make it overwhelming and we didn't dive in, you know, and and you know go too too soon, too fast and end up hating it. Right. And you and you stuck with the habit because it became more natural to you and you didn't and you didn't hate it. And that's why those well, habits right, are still. Exactly. And part of that was, you know, I quit the first time I started Weight Watchers, I was 200 pounds. Every time I felt like I was not compliant or that I was up on the scale, I quit because I was embarrassed. I quit my way up to 300 pounds on Weight Watchers because every time I was embarrassed or ashamed, I would quit. I would. I would shame gain another 10 or 15 pounds and then decide I needed to do something different. I would do it again and I would not stick to my points. I would feel shame. I would quit. So I got up to 300 pounds all from quitting. This time I just decided there was nowhere to go. What am I quitting? I'm quitting life. Like I have to keep making choices. I have to get back up on the, you know, the horse when I've, I've fallen off. I, you know, like you, I struggle with depression. I don't believe everything that I think now. I don't believe, <laughs> you know, every negative thought. That's so key. Every, yes. you know, <laughs> I can still drink water and go for a walk when I'm depressed. The two don't have mm. anything to do with one another. I've disconnected myself from all of those feelings because feelings in the past got me, you know, to 150 pounds heavier than I am right now. So being more self-aware, having the emotional tools to deal with my thoughts and realize that they don't have to match my actions. I don't have to act on every impulse that I have like a toddler um, because I'm a grown up. like Donald's a grown up and it feels so much better to not be victim to every thought then you I'm know. physically a grown up. I don't know if I'm mentally a grown up. <laughs> How are you getting there? But it, it's a work in progress. We're not fixed and we're not suddenly like I'm getting there. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, but I and right and I think that's what everything that we're talking about today is that when when you are looking to lose weight a, a decent amount and keep it off forever, it's like you said it's not a finish line. You're you're going to be making those choices every single day for the rest of your life. For sure. Well, and it's, you know, I um I had a little secret eating uh episode on Monday, I think it was of this week, and I told Donald about it and he was he goes like, "Oh, wow, I didn't see you." Eating anything. Said, <laughs> that's, that's why it's called secret that's eating. That's what secret eating means. <laughs> well, yeah. It doesn't mean that I'm broken. She, it doesn't She's good at it. It doesn't mean I, had no I have idea. had 40 some years of practice hiding behind cupboards eating. <laughs> but it like it wasn't, you know, it was like a couple hundred calories over my target for the day. But, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm broken. It doesn't mean that my streak is over. You know, if we don't hit our step goal, if we go over our calories, it doesn't mean the end of days. It just means we get up again tomorrow and more informed and try to make better choices. And we, we see the loopholes that we put in our, in our way now. We see the, you know, 
we see the excuses, we call each other out on it. And having a support group, having someone to share with and not hide my truth from, it felt better. I think we were at the airport the other day too. We were coming back from a wedding and we went our separate ways and I got a, a biscuit from a fast food place and I also got a salad and I came back to Donald and I almost didn't tell him I had gotten the biscuit. And I said, Donald, Donald, I got a biscuit and I ate it. And he went, oh my gosh, I got a scone. And I, I had a pumpkin that. scone. <laughs> so it's like, it takes away that like drama and that shame of just being honest with one another. Mm-hmm. And we went away for a weekend. We're back on track. We're counting, you know, we're, we're, we're getting back in our steps and we're, yeah. we're following our habits and it doesn't, you know, one bad day doesn't mean it's all over. And so I, it's been such a great experience to just, be honest and own our choices and move forward instead of dwelling on, you know, one biscuit in an airport in Georgia a week ago. Mm -hmm. Like that's not going to be the ruin of my. You were in Georgia a week ago. Right. And for (laughs) North North Carolina, whatever I was trying to, Uh everybody needs to know where we were. We can can dodge and weave. So, (laughs) Um, but no, you're right. I mean, like a single eating occasion can totally um, throw you off. And then it's a year later and you're like, Oh, oh totally. No, yeah. before I would have been like, you know what? January 1st, we'll get back on track, but right. we're going to eat everything in sight to get it out of the way. Yeah. yeah. Not to get off on a, on a whole new thing. I know we've been talking and talking and talking, but um, you know, it, it's that all or nothing mindset is, is a real, is a big part of this that I don't know if we've touched on. Um, and, you know, I would, I would have one, you know, quote unquote, bad day on a diet plan and be like, well, guess that's it. Guess I should just give up entirely and, <laughs> right. and go back to the way things were. And, you know, it's like, there's no, there's no need for that. There's no reason to throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, it's like, you know, I can get right back on it the next day and just keep doing what I've been doing and I'll be fine. Yeah. And people, you know, listening that are maybe struggling with that, it, it does feel impossible to just get back on the horse the next day. Like in, when you're in that moment and you're not used to that, it does feel impossible. It feels so hard, but that's, that's where the self-awareness and working on yourself and, and digging a little bit deeper, um, and kind of exposing yourself and, and learning where these habits are coming from, where these beliefs are coming from, that's that's going to make it easier to observe your situation in a way that's not so, like Catherine said, like it's not so dramatic and that it's a new day tomorrow and you can start over. So, but it is hard. It is hard when you're when you're in when you're in it. Well, and I, I think the big takeaway, like the thing that I know now that I didn't know 20 years ago was that motivation has nothing to do with what we're doing. Oh, yes. Like I thought I had to be motivated. I thought that this spirit had to possess me and that weight loss or people who were successful were motivated every day. Like there was some montage from a movie I am so not motivated to do any of this, but what I am, I have habits in place. I have a habit of getting up and going for a walk. I have a habit of tracking what I'm eating. I have a habit of drinking water instead of sugary drinks. I have a habit of questioning my, my, uh, my thoughts. And that is the key that I think people 
from the outside don't see. They think we are motivated. Yeah. We, I'm not nope. really motivated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, like there's, there's no motivation. There's no, you know, lightning that struck and suddenly like I'm pumped to do this all the time. Like yeah. that's just not it. Well, and I mean, I think the great part about these very long format uh, conversations is that, you know, magazine stories, headlines for New Year's would have us think like, oh, this person lost a hundred pounds. They had some salad, yada, yada, yada. They're mm-hmm. down a hundred pounds. Amazing. And it, it makes you think that it's this easy, sudden overnight switch that is flipped. I didn't think I was going to lose over 150 pounds. I was just working on fitting into those pair of jeans that I thought were going to rip. Like I wanted to lose a pound. I wanted to have my life back. I wanted to not feel like a victim. I wanted to feel hope. And I did that one pound at a time at a time. And Donald, you know, convincing Donald that he didn't have to think about reversing his diabetes diagnosis. He just had to look at the next day ahead and the next day ahead. Mm. It, it changed everything, not waiting for the motivation bus to come along and sweep us off our feet and change our lives. We had to do the work, the boring, slow, habitual, you know, no one's going to write a song about our exciting time, <laughs> right. you know, like eating. <laughs> but moderately. you can start your own podcast and talk about it. Yeah. It's pretty but, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but Se- people, like, scene one of the movie, Donald tracks another, you know, half yeah. a cup of cottage cheese. <laughs> well, and when, when I had lost about half uh, of my, my weight, uh, a woman at my daughter's, you know, another parent came up to me and she looked super excited because she hadn't seen me in a while. And she got this wide eyed look and she kind of tucked into me and she said, you know, oh my gosh, you look amazing. How did you do it? And she made this like stapling motion at her. Yeah. Stomach. Which Catherine is actually making the the, the stapling, stapling motion like right now goes, that no one can see. Ooh, did you, did you staple your stuff? You know, she didn't say it, but oh, did you have surgery? Right. And I went, no, I just started like walking and like, you know, really being mindful of my food and the look of disgust on her face. Oh, that yeah. wasn't <laughs> some like magic pill that I took. She was like, oh, okay. Oh, I think my phone's ringing. Gotta go. Like yeah. she didn't want to hear anything about taking accountability for my life and making small sustainable changes. <laughs> oh, that's like, so sad. <laughs> doped out as quickly as she could. And people, it's unsexy. Yeah, they they like, want to hear about the secret magic pill that you're taking. Yeah. You know? So, uh, one weird trick and the trick is just boring habits yeah yeah it's taking accountability for your own life so um (laughs) so yeah no no staples required so yeah well that's awesome um okay this has been this has been so awesome i feel like we got real deep in there which i think is going to just help so many people listening um and i just think yeah, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Your stories, well, thank so, you. So it's just so great. I love exposing, like you're talking about these these weight loss stories that take time and persistence. Um, and it also doesn't have to be the hardest thing in the world, and you don't have to hate your life while doing it. And there's so much growth that happens too. Like that's my favorite part about counseling for for weight loss is we're mostly talking about mindset stuff, food, of course, but the growth that happens over six months, a year of someone just working on themselves and taking, you know, their life in their own hands, like, that's just so amazing. And, you know, you guys are just talking about how 
your lives, you've totally changed your lives. So it's so much more than the food. It's so much more than the weight loss. And I'm just so excited to, um, for people to hear this. So where can people, um, find you? Well, uh, we have a, uh, website at we only look And, uh, we have a podcast. We only look thin and, and uh, on Facebook at we only look thin, uh, also at uh, we only look thin at gmail.com. Uh, so basically, we only look thin. We, Instagram. We, we, we tweet once in a while at we only look thin. And Catherine runs a wonderful Instagram, our Instagram page at we only look thin. Yes. And your podcast is available on everything, right? Like Apple, Google. Yeah. Yeah. It's on iTunes. It's on all the, all the Google, uh, all the, uh, the Android formats. Awesome. So I will definitely be easy to find wherever you find podcasts. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'll definitely be talking to you guys soon and I'll put those links below so people can go listen and yeah, thank you so much. And I'll talk to, talk to everyone on the next episode. All right. Thank you so much for having us. This has been fun. Yeah. Bye guys.